T-minus 10, 9. You're listening to the Launchpad Podcast with J-Man. Brought to you by Galant Media. Here's your host, Ignition J-Man. <laughs> okay, We'll keep that part out. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so say, everything's say, recording. Say nothing incriminating. He's, he's, he's recording the whole thing. That's right, the whole thing. I've, I started recording a while ago. As I mentioned previously, and we'll just go in off the cuff, that I have actually done a full interview with somebody before, not for my podcast, but when I was on radio, and I completely forgot to record it. And I just let it go because you can't call a person back. I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of ego wrapped up into that. And I'm supposed to be a professional. And at the bare minimum, I couldn't just press that button. The only button that I needed to press uh, throughout the entire process from beginning to end. And you were saying that you had something similar happen to you. Well, yeah, I mean, similar, similar, but different. But it was just... uh it just reminded me of a, of a story where, you know, those moments that you just wish you could rewind or something and nothing I did, nothing I did wrong or any of my band or crew or anything like that. But I was doing a big festival, really big festival, country festival out West and uh, super embarrassing. I get out there and, and, and there's all this hype. We start the show and it was right after it was the kind of the, the beer gardens right after say Kenny Chesney was the headliner and then everybody you know, just spilled into the beer gardens, literally. And there's like 10,000 people plus out there, dark stage and all this hype music to, to get going. And I get the big introduction and go out and I do my whole first song. And then after the first song and everything sounded great because I'm wearing in-ear monitors and stuff. Everything sounded great, felt great. But then I felt like there was some weird vibe in between songs. And I'm like, how's everybody doing? And then there was like this weird, I knew something was amiss. So I popped an ear out and everybody was like yelling like, we can't hear you. <laughs> the best. And this guy runs over to me and swaps out the microphone that was provided by the house company, and which was weird because I could hear myself, so right. nothing was wrong to me. But but it was not coming out. I did a whole song. Wow! And nobody could hear a word I was saying. <laughs> so you're killing it in your ears. You're killing it. You're like I am. In my ears, I'm killing this. it. Right. I'm having a great time. And so we did, we literally, we just like redo, restart and did the whole first song again for them. And uh, it went on from there. But I was like, oh, God. it's always, it's the technical things. I'm never like nervous about anything, you know, uh, on stage jitters or, or, or doing things like this or whatever. But it's the technical things, the, the, the ghosts in the gear, I call them, right. that just sneak up and, and something goes amiss and is like well what are you gonna do yeah well it happens well i'm glad it's not happening here i see the little recording icon uh going and and let me introduce this gentleman because we just went right into it uh now this gentleman is a canadian country music singer songwriter he's from pembroke ontario that is where we met uh you do an annual charity golf tournament which we're going to talk about you have yep. six full-length albums under your belt, including 8 million-plus digital streams. This goes on for a bit, Jay. <laughs> He's a 16-time Canadian Country Music Association nominee, including Male Artist of the Year, Songwriter of the Year, Video of the Year, and Winner of Single of the Year, which we're also going to talk about, or they don't make them like that anymore. I'm so thrilled to have you on. This is Jason Blaine. Welcome to the Launchpad Podcast, my friend. 
Thanks very much for having me, man. It's been a minute. It's good to see you again. Yeah, we were actually talking before the podcast started about how you really don't look that much different than 14 years ago. That's how long it's been since we first met. Wow. Well, um, I think that we've been so busy, uh, time, time uh, hasn't caught up or something. I don't know. I appreciate you saying it. I guess we just, uh, we stay pickled. We, uh, we drink a little bit and uh, I don't know, man. It's just, I don't feel, I just turned 40 and right. uh, I don't feel like I remember when my dad turned 40, you know, like, you know, mm. and I just don't feel like, like that old, like, I can't believe I'm at this stage of life, like 40, like what? And I've got four kids. I got, I got a daughter in high school and, um, but it's crazy. I think that the industry that I'm in sort of keeps you young. I mean, look at Keith Urban. He's like 52 or something. Right. And he looks great. Yeah. Well, I remember like the Reba McIntyre's and Dolly Parton's and stuff like that. These, these people, they age, but they age gracefully. (laughs) Yeah. One can only, one could only hope. I got the, got the hair still there. So I'm happy. I keep mine low, Jay, because right back here, it's just starting to dissipate. It's it's gone. I got to date girls that are under five ten. <laughs> well, you're one, you're one of those guys that can rock it well, though, dude. You got a good you got a good shape to your noggin there, so you're one of these guys that pulls it off well. Well, thank you. I'm gonna try to insert a graphic later on where I'm wearing your head of hair and you have a shaved head. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> okay, I won't, I won't do that. Okay, your PR people will get pissed. Uh, so I met you back in 2006 and this would be at star 96. Now check this out. I found a relic. Uh, this is one of the shirts right there. Star 96. Oh, wow. Right. I never Look even wore that. this. It has the tag on it. It's made <laughs> from hemp. Go figure. Nice and boxy. Yes. And <laughs> things were really starting to get rolling for you at that time because, uh, that's when rock in my boot. Shortly thereafter, was released. At that point, I'd assumed that you would already have made the song. So, explain to me and for the listener of the Launchpad, what is it like to literally go from small town country boy? You're living in Pembroke in the Valley, and then all of a sudden, you're really starting to get this attention, and you see the trajectory of where your career is going. Well. Um, man, I grew up, you know, in, like you said, in, in Pembroke and, you know, now that I live here in Tennessee and I've been here for 14 years, you know, people really have no idea. They're like, how do you know country music, you know, up in Canada? And well, so we had, we had Star 96 FM and even, even then, like, so like I was born in 1980, so, um, playing guitar in the nineties. And that was, that was when a lot of stations, a lot of FM stations, if they were just adult AC, hot AC or whatever they switched to country music. And uh, so I grew up with all of that nineties country and, and Garth and all of those guys. And uh, I would always read the, the liner notes of where the records were made. And so often they said, you know, uh, sound Emporium, Nashville, Tennessee, or, uh, you know, wherever Nashville, Tennessee. So I always had the dream of, I wanted to go to Nashville, but I had no idea. Like it seems so far away. And it is, it's a thousand miles door to door. I know this because I made the trip many, many times with a <laughs> with an SUV full of kids, which is a lot. It can be a long drive, you know, especially in the winter when there's snow and it's crazy. But it can seem so far away, and almost like almost out of reach. But I, 
but I just would lie in bed at night listening to these records uh, and just uh, just visioning, just picturing what it might be like to live and, and work in this in this town where so many of my heroes made their records, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know I took a couple. There was a couple. I got a couple of lucky breaks. Uh, you know, there was uh, an artist. Uh, named Jamie Warren, who's still making records today, but at the time in the early, in the mid '90s and late '90s, he was having, he was having a lot of hits on the radio. And he came to Pembroke and did a show. And my dad met him like at Pemice Two or something at the hockey rink. They were watching a, a family friend's kid play hockey, and my dad recognized him and went over and met him and talked me up. and And uh, I got to go out to one of their shows that they were playing in the in Petawawa, actually at the military base, and. I uh, slipped him a cassette, if you can write that. <laughs> yeah, a cassette, and they listened to it in the in the van or bus or whatever. And they invited me up on stage that night and played. and And all of those people that were that were playing in his band at the time would later become uh, like lifelong buddies of mine, like really good friends of mine. I've since you know that 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 moment was was a beginning uh, of things. Just a, a, a guy that was in the industry who happened to be coming through Pembroke. And, and I, you know, I thank my dad for, for, you know, taking that, sh- that chance to go over and say hello and, and meet him. And he was a ni- nice guy. And I mean, like we, we've kept in touch all these, all these years, but that led, that led to me my, making my first move was from Pembroke to Kitchener, Waterloo, where that, where there's, uh, was quite a happening scene and still is like a lot of, it was just close to everything. It's the close to Toronto. There's a lot of studios there, a lot of players today, like, like Jason Barry, who who we produced a bunch of stuff together. He he produced my very first record. Uh, we toured together. He also has done a bunch of work in recent years with Dean Brody, Shane Gusey. All those guys played in my band forever, and they all those guys were at my my wedding too. Jamie Warren and and, and Jason Barry years ago, and um, you know it was just that was the beginning for me. The in the very first into the music industry, right and. So again, just staying in that period of time, who would you say would be the biggest person that you opened for, the person that you were most excited to open for that early in your career? Oh, boy. Um, You know, I think one of the biggest shows that I did that early in my career, like I might have had one, one or two songs on the radio, if that was the road hammers in my hometown pembroke waterfront festival yep yeah and I, was you know there. I wanted to <laughs> i i wanted to come back to my hometown like some kind of a big shot who made it and i rented johnny reed's tour bus like i didn't want to i didn't want to roll in there in my piece of shit car that we owned at the time because i had no money like people thought i was doing well I had songs on the radio but i hadn't right. been paid yet for any of my royalties and my wife and i were just living in this little apartment in kitchener and just eking out a living and there was the, the royalties were still about maybe a year out before they would show up and but I, I went out on a limb and I rented Johnny Reed's Silver Eagle green tour bus like from the 80s John, Brian Adams I heard owned it at one point way back when and uh, came in and we did the show and it was awesome great band killed it uh, my hometown was was proud and, they, and that was the beginning of them all cheering me on, you know, and, and the, the guys in the road hammers would become some of my best friends, Jason McCoy, Clayton Bellamy, Chris, everybody. Um, but the funny thing is that the bus, 
I brought the bus back in my van. We came back to my parents' house and we had a bonfire and drinks and everything. And then in the middle of the night, it was time to go to the airport. We had to leave at like two in the morning to get to the Ottawa airport for a 7 a.m. flight and the bus wouldn't start. <laughs> that sucks. It had broke down. And, the, yeah. and my parents' next door neighbor, old Miles, who I nicknamed him Smiles, he, he, could, he could make about any small engine run. Like if there's a snowblower or a lawn tractor or a snow machine, miles to get it going i watched that guy fix you know get a get a broken down snowmobile in the middle of the woods you know in 40 below many times get it going and there he was man probably kind of drunk you know two in the morning with the you know tinkering with the with the mechanics on the bus and got the bus to start and got us on our way and saved the whole day because we had a bunch of shows to get to and it was just uh just classic it's such a classic memory yeah <laughs> kind of drunk just one of those always hazed drunk <laughs> well i mean we we were big we were big time celebrating and everybody right. was having a good time and everybody was being safe we're around nobody has to be anywhere we're around the bonfires having a couple canadian beverages if you know what i mean and uh, i know what you mean then, you know having and, some pops uh, having some pops man having some pops <laughs> now speaking of pops and i've heard you refer already to your family a couple of times and i remember your father uh, your father was basically your promoter, your number one promoter. And he yeah. was always so great with the people at Star 96. He was never super pushy, but always making himself seen and always singing your praises. And I've seen a lot of parents that are proud of their kids and what they're doing and whatever it is that they're pursuing. But there are very few that I've seen with the pride and the joy that your father had speaking about your success. Would you mind speaking on that relationship a little bit? Well, that's very sweet. Um, I'm very lucky that that I grew up with with parents that that encouraged this this dream. You know, all all of us to 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 get after it and 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 do it. And never never made me feel like it was unreasonable or uh, unattainable or anything like that. And, you know, my dad is, is a hobby musician. Uh, he, he's, he still plays. Uh, he still plays in Pembroke in the area in a, in a cover band, like a couple times a month, the old school way where they're playing a whole weekend. And sometimes they have to load out at two o'clock in the morning in the snow and the cold in the wintertime. And, you know, my dad's 65 years old now. And so I, I, I think that that's awesome because my earliest memories were of going down to the basement or whatever and, opening up his bass guitar case as a, as a wee, wee boy, uh, and, and smelling, it was, this was the eighties and you're smelling the smell of dirty guitar strings and smoke. Cause it's the eighties and nightlife. And where was he? What, what, what was he playing? What, what, where was that gig with his band? And my dad, not even a smoker or a drinker, but, uh, but you know, you, just this aroma from this old Rickenbacker bass case just was the early, sort of spark for me i was like man i you know i want to grow up and i want to play in a band and i want to tour and i want to do all that stuff and so i guess because my dad was like he always had a good job working for the city and he played as a hobby musician for fun for the for the love of it always tinkering with songs when he wasn't working and uh, my mom uh, biggest country music fan in the world she she'd always watch the Grand Old Opry and always have country radio on in the morning, make a pot of coffee, turn on the radio. So those are my two uh, addictions, country music and coffee. And uh, so they were always encouraging. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure at some point 
2002, I went and saw Garth Brooks in 1993. It was the first concert I had ever been to. And uh, that was a life-changing concert experience because, I mean, if you've ever seen Garth, he's electric. And he was electric in 93. I was only 13. And I had learned to play some songs. I learned to play a lot of his songs on the guitar. And watching him all by himself in the spotlight with his acoustic guitar and with an arena at the Civic Center in Ottawa of however many thousands of people packed that place, singing his song back to him. He just stopped singing and just played the guitar and all these people sang his song back. And I was like, that, that, I want to know what that feels like. That looks like the big, the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I've had those moments, man. It's, you know, like I, I'm sure at some point, maybe I dreamed about, you know, being like the next Garth Brooks or something like that. We all do. You all have big dreams when you're a kid and it's, and you, you'd never even get into this. You would never dare do this if you didn't dream like a, like a kid. But, you know, uh, now I'm, I'm much more realistic. I'm never going to be like Garth Brooks level or anything like that. But I'm also old enough and wise enough to know that it's just about that. It's just about making some music and connecting with somebody, having it matter to somebody. Right. And I have said that often in regards to we hear some crazy stories when it comes to entertainment and singers. And I'm never blown away by anything that I hear based on what you just said. You're sitting at home or in your garage or on a plane or a layover and you're writing a song. And for a lot of these people, maybe it was a song that they wrote when they were 17, 18 years old. And one day you're playing it in a stadium or in front of thousands of people at a festival and they're singing your song. That's a godlike moment. So you said you've had a few of those moments. I know for sure there's one that shoots right to the front of your brain. What moment was that for you where you were just completely in awe, where you were in that zone where it was almost surreal for you to be on stage? I think it would have to be this wonderful festival in Southern Ontario, this Boots and Hearts uh, Festival. Um, and probably the first time I played that, I mean, that festival was the first time I played it was in 2013. So my song, they don't make them like that anymore was a big hit for me, a big career song in 2012. And that was one of the first really, really big shows of the next summer. So I, I had been, you know, living here in Nashville and, and I knew that they, that it had done well on the radio back in Canada and, 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 uh, and I had even won an, an award for it, but I hadn't done, Funny enough, I hadn't done a lot of shows, not to crowds that big. Like, uh, that was one of the biggest of my life. There was there was some 20,000 people that year, uh, and, and I had a great time slot on stage. And at some point, the, the crowd just took over singing the, the last course of the song. And it just got me emotional, and it just hit me like, 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 uh, like I'm sure it hits Garth Brooks every single night, yeah. night after night after night, uh, you know, but it was, but for me, that was the first time that that had really happened to that extent when you heard that many human hearts singing the song back to you. And it just was a real powerful thing, super validating. I was just happy that it meant something to them because it was a song that I wrote, you know, uh, you know, kind of about and for my family. So Right. Well, let's just dive right into that because that is one of my questions. I was like, I hope it doesn't go too far. <laughs> well, you sure. Pump the brakes just a little bit shy. So thank you for that. Uh, so <clears throat> the song that, that won you the award uh, was based on your grandfather. 
Uh, I had heard the song. I had never watched the video until I prepared for this interview. And like, it's, it's really, it's, it's an amazing video. Um, I don't know. It's not just because I know you personally, because it resonated with fans all over North America and your family members are in it. Is everyone in that video? That's all legit family. Like there's no fillers or anything of that nature. Yeah. Well, sadly, some of the most important people are are missing from that video. My, my wife and my kids are missing that my wife was uh, super pregnant at the time or, or just had one of the babies Uh, either, either way she couldn't travel uh, from Nashville up to Pembroke. And I did that video kind of in between in a run of shows that that summer we arranged it and we we did it and we pulled everybody in so i always kind of regret that you know i wasn't able to have her and 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 my kids in that video as well but um you know we would later do a video uh for my song dance with my daughter and and put them all in it and stuff so that was really that was pretty cool too right so about your grandfather obviously a very special man in your life You've spoken about family numerous times. We talked about your dad, the family that you have going on of your own. Yeah. Like, what is it that inspired you to want to write a song about him? Um, well, I mean, I've thought about this a lot over the years, too, because, I mean, I guess I, I, so, yeah, I, I could have wrote a song about my own, my own dad, too, but uh, I, he was too young at the time. <laughs> so, right. Uh, you know, my, but my dad's a, a – he's – good good man and a hard hard working you know stand up guy as well my my grandfather was just uh sort of he's the he was at the, you know i perceived him as the patriarch of the of the family my other grandfather on my dad's side had, had passed away some years quite a few years before so sadly we didn't we didn't have him uh, in our life but i just i was coming of age at that time i had just heard when i wrote that song i just turned like 31 or 30 or 31 I believe at the time when I wrote it and I just was thinking about like deeply about life and about what it means to live a good life and everything else and I was just I my brother and I had always sort of just sort of noticed that like my my grandfather was such a gentleman like he had the old-fashioned chivalry like truly like the lyrics in the song still helps her with her coat and opens her car door all the time every time and when it was tight, stand up and say, all right, mom, well, time to go. And he'd go and he'd grab her, her coat, her big winter coat, wrap it around her and help her out down the icy stairs, go around, open the door, help her in. And this is a guy, you know, at the time, you know, married 50 plus years and just uh, respected and, and just hard work. Didn't talk about, didn't talk about his, his faith, even though he had one, like just didn't like put it in everybody's face or anything like that. Just sort of lived it. And, uh, lives a good life and um and, and so so for in a, in a world that's kind of crazy and, and, and as, a, as a guy my age trying to figure it all out and probably resisting uh, having some sort of resistance to growing up in my own respects you know back then just going like wow man that's uh you know that's uh i need to be more like that you know, and, 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 and then I wrote the song with Derek Rattan at the time. We were just talking about guys of a certain era, that, that generation of sort of before the baby boomers, the World War II generation, these guys that still, and I even said those lines, like, you know, those guys that still, like, even though they're losing their hair, they still call it like Elvis from the 50s. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
And I, as I was just talking, just had a conversation, he was also talking about his, his, he's like, my grandpa was the same way and pay cash for everything. And was your, you know, only drive Chevy. My dad was just, was Ford only, but, but if people like, would be like, I, I vote this way. I drive this brand of truck. I, I wear these clothes and like, just sure about everything for, for whatever reason, they just, this is the way it is. Unshakable Oak trees, you know? Yeah. And thought that, you know, I'm like, well, that just makes for a good country song. It does. And a wonderful legacy piece as well. Something that will live on forever uh, yeah. in a song like that. And the fact that, I mean, it happened to be a hit uh, even more so. That that will be playing on the radio for days and years and months and whatever to come. Uh, yeah. So thank yeah. you and for I, I sharing that with too, us. Like, I never, I, I had no, I didn't know that it would, that it would become something what it became I, either like that it would you know that it just what it would turn out to, to be like i i thought like i honestly thought it would remain an album cut or right. something like i didn't know that it was going to be like I, because i've tried since you never you, you try to write like hits and then it doesn't work like you just <laughs> sometimes that was a, that was one of those things that that taught me it's just like you can't always plan out what what the people are gonna say is well, that's your best song by, by far, which is always a backhanded compliment because it's like, well, what about <laughs> the other songs that I... <laughs> right. <clears throat> I'll make sure that that link is also uh, in the description. So if you have not seen that video, you do, because I believe there's a lot of people that have likely heard the song, haven't seen the video, and of course it stars Granddad. <laughs> that's awesome. And the whole family troop, because I, I saw your dad strumming the guitar in the backyard yeah. scene. And it's all shot in Pembroke. I saw King Burger there. Did Granddad like King Burger? Was that his thing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he liked yep. King Burger. Okay, so it really is biographical. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, cool. we, we really tried to keep it true, and and it was a cool spotlight for the town, and and it was like the beginning of a lot of it was the beginning of a lot of things uh, yeah. that showcasing Pembroke in that way. It was it was the beginning of a lot of things that, uh, to come. Right. Okay. You're also a very charitable individual, and before we talk about your golf tournament, we're going to talk about something that I did back in the day, and that was the barbecue, so I call it BBQ for the PMB, for the puppy mill busts. So right around that time, there was a massive puppy mill that was shut down, and about 250 dogs were rescued. And I was dating a girl at the time that ran a rescue, bullies in need, shameless plug, and they went in and they took out a whole bunch of dogs that weren't necessarily breed specific. And we were looking to raise wow. awareness, raise funds, and find foster homes for these Fine dogs. Yeah. Right. And so I reached out to you and I asked if you would be able to help in any capacity. And we did this in the Star 96 parking lot. And you came out and you signed some 8x10s. Uh, yeah. And people gave donations of $10.00. And in a tiny little parking lot of a town of maybe 14000 at the time, we raised about $10,000, uh, found some homes, and I actually walked away with a dog. I don't know if you remember a French bulldog that I had there that day, and her name was Princess Annabelle. <laughs> and I had that dog for eight years. And so wow. it's so amazing how life comes together sometimes. And yeah, even though certain parts go different ways there's this nucleus of things like wow that's where that came from you know if, yep. if there wasn't a jason blaine there maybe i'm not going home with a dog or maybe we're not raising that amount of money 
you know, maybe things just unravel completely different. And I remember asking you at the time, and there was absolutely no hesitation whatsoever in regards to you wanting to volunteer your time. Is that just the way you've always been? Were there other charitable things that you were taking part in before that date? Or was that something that really kind of started at all? Well, as we were talking about this, uh, even before we got rolling here today, and you mentioned it, I, I kind of, I, I, I forgot about that for a minute, but I'll tell you why. That was, uh, I remember, uh, now it's all coming back to me. I remember agreeing to do it, but what happened was, what you might not know, is like, the, I remember now, that day that we did that in the parking lot was the same day my son was born. Yes. And so I snuck out of the hospital. I was like, man, I got it. I was like, kiss my wife goodbye. I'm like, I, she was, you know, in and out of like sleeping and the nurses were taking care of little boy and my little baby boy. And, and I was like, man, I committed to doing this thing. I don't really, I, you know, I want to, but I don't really want to leave her right now, but it's just right down. It's only going to take an hour or whatever. So they were, you know, she's like, okay. You know, it's, she's resting anyway, baby sleeping. So I snuck out and I did it, but it's all just kind of a blur. Cause I did it thinking like, I should probably be back at the hospital with her, you know, and, and, but I'm meeting everybody and, and, and it was a great cause. It really was. And I really wanted to do it. And you asked, I mean, if I'm, if, if people ask me and I can, I'll, I'll do it, you know, um, cause it's, it's a good cause, but, but what you said is, is really true. Um, and that's what I found out with, with my golf event, the power of music to pull people together, um, is, is a powerful thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, going to be the guy that finds the cure for whatever, or the, or the person that's, that's able to, you know, use even my own money or resources, like some billionaire philanthropists or something like that to do something. But, you know, God gave me the music in my heart years ago. And, and, and like so many others, you know, in, in our industry, especially in the country music industry, people rally around music. If you can, you know, you put a, put a band together, put an event together. People are like, well, that sounds like fun. And then they show up, you know, from the business community or wherever else, or people that have a skill set to organize. Uh, and they come together, and then you see it with that with that one event, like the good it was able to do. Um, it's just it's really cool, you know, to be able to be a part of that stuff. Yeah, I would never think that we were going to make that much money. That was bananas. <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely bananas. But you're a, a big part of that because we really did rally around you, hometown boy, doing good, and we really did appreciate it. I still appreciate it. Like it makes my heart beam every time I think about that. And it's so crazy how. People remember things differently. For me, it was like, I'm so nervous about this whole puppy meal thing, and hopefully people show up and it doesn't rain. You just had a baby. <laughs> and I completely forgot that you snuck over because I remember. And what was so incredible about you that day, Jason, is that you were so present. Like, your ability to be present. Do you think that's, you know, an attribute that was gained through the posture that you need to have on stage as an artist? Like, no matter what's going on around you, and you have to perform, you need to be there as fully as possible. And you were there as fully as possible. I don't think anyone would have guessed that you had a baby that day, like literally hours well, ago. Well, maybe that's part of the performance. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just kicked into high gear. Yeah, maybe, you know, well, you know, you try to make people feel like you're, like you're present. I, I, you know, I, I imagine that the part of me was, was torn a little bit, you know, to, to a certain extent, but, but you know, then when I when I'm in the when I'm in the moment, I try to dial in to to people, and and really 
listen and, 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 and be in the moment with them because I, you know, I'm still a fan. I, I'm, I'm still a country music fan. I'm still a music fan. I'm, and I, and I've met some of my heroes and stuff. And so I think about that, like for heroes for me are meeting, like meeting Vince Gill or meeting Brian Adams and meeting a couple, you know, these people that I just like love their music so much when you actually meet them, that would, that would be such a turnoff if they were like, you know, like, yeah, like what, you know, and then I gotta go. And, right. and, you when when you've waited a lifetime to meet them or something like that. Not that I'm would ever put myself into the category of those guys, but just doesn't matter. I mean, just whoever you're talking to in the moment, just give people you know each other's time and try to be there in the moment with them. Right. You're a very humble guy, <laughs> and I really like that about you. But the reality is, Jay, there's so many people out there where Jason Blaine is that number one and it's great that you have that perspective that you know they've been waiting a lifetime to meet you there's I'm sure plenty of people in Pembroke that had a chance to follow you very early on in your career and then off you go you're not just walking the streets anymore and for them to finally have an opportunity to meet you is just as big as meet the Vince Gill or the Garth Brooks or whatever I'm just as thrilled to have you on the show (laughs) Garth who Garth who well that's kind of you that's kind of you to say pal yeah no worries brother so let's talk about your charitable endeavors. So you had mentioned that you've done your golf classic. You do this annually. I believe this year was going to be your seventh, but it got canceled uh, because yeah. of COVID. Uh, but talk to us in regards to what that's about, why you did it, you know, how it came to be, and some of the people that are involved. Sure, sure. Well, it's, uh, again, it's one of those things where um, I, I, and I got to give credit to uh, to my country music compadre Gord Bamford because he had started his before I started mine, uh, and I, I had never I just didn't know like I had never been invited to anything like that, um, and I got invited to his. You know I was having hit songs at the time, and I guess things were you know going really well, and and I was one of the guys he wanted to invite because he was inviting happening country artists to his to his event and NHL players and everything else and I mean I got I went out there and, and it was the coolest event I mean they do it up in Alberta there's a lot of that I guess a lot of the big sponsors out there in Alberta I mean we're talking huge money and man like I you know all these like Theo Fleury's there and you know like Marty McSorley and there's uh at the time a captain of the Calgary Flames Curtis Glencross and I'm I'm paired to spend the day golfing with Curtis Glencross. And uh, he was actually having a terrible game that day. I think I was John <laughs> a couple times, you know, but it was so cool. I, you know, and then there was a, there was a golf day and all these amazing sponsors. And then we got together and played some music and they had live auction stuff and raised a bunch of money. And I was just blown away. I just thought, this is so cool. I would love to do something like this in my hometown. What a cool thing to do. And, um, I started talking to him about it, you know, and then he told me, he gave me some great advice. He's like, your, your event will live and die with the committee and the, that you put together and the people around you and, and uh, the sponsors and the support of the business community and stuff like that. So I went into it with uh, not, not expecting to even do what, what we did, honestly, but just to do, just to do something and get it going on a smaller scale. And, um, and I was looking at different venues to hold, to hold it, you know, is it just going to be, you know, at, at a, at a festival hall kind of thing, or just going to be at a smaller location. And then it turned into the, of course, the Pembroke Memorial Center, the, the 
small town hockey arena. And I hadn't been in that building in 20 years or, or something since I was a kid t- taking like power skating or something. So I thought, no, we couldn't do it there. That place is huge. It's enormous. <laughs> and I remember walking in there going, this is not nearly as big as I remember. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, we, I, I got together. I had a first meeting with Jamie Bramberger from Algonquin College, uh, great community organizer, community-minded guy, terrific guy. Uh, and we had lunch and we started with a nine and dine and got, we invited out some members of the business community to check it out. I made the pitch of what I'd like to do, shared the vision. And man, I got to tell you from, from day one, like just enormous support, you know, from so many wonderful sponsors, business sponsors in, in the community. Um, you know, Dan Bedard came on board big, big time early on. Uh, Murphy Ford came on board, Best Western, um, Melissa from Pet Value came on board when she found out about it in year two and, and sponsored like crazy every year since. And so many, so many others, like so many, like like a hundred or more sponsors, yeah. you know, in different levels. And, uh, and, and I, and, you know, the, the question was always put to me, like, you know, what's your, what's your cause? Like, what's your cause? You got to pick a cause. And that was always my dilemma. I was just like, well, I don't like have like one, you know, cause. And I'm like, and how do I pick just one? Because uh, there's a lot of different or- wonderful organizations that need like support. And so what we what we did was we just raised a bunch of money and just started spreading the love around, man, to to different organizations. However, we could help with the greatest needs at the time. And this guy, a great guy by the name of Matt Bradley, who was very involved in the community foundation of the Pembroke, Petawawa area. And what a godsend, because that's, I had no idea how to like, you know, how, how to do the bookkeeping on something like that. I sure didn't want to do it. I didn't want to handle any of that or be responsible for that. And it turns out that in my one conversation with, with him, that's exactly what they do is help uh, events like, you know, handle that side of things and then and, and they're they've got their finger on the pulse of the greatest needs in the community at any time is their literally their their logo so we've you know i don't want to get into the whole list of the ones that we've helped but we helped you know um uh, name a few we've helped the boys and girls club greatly over the years algonquin college finish its um capital campaign for the waterfront festival we helped out the pembroke mri the wheels of hope um so just a, just like I think we're over like forty different things that we've helped over the years, and you get you know you get messages from people and stuff, and you hear the firsthand accounts of like you know that it really helped them out through the course of the year or whatever. And I just thought, man, how how cool that it was just you know uh, following through on on something because there was in early I had my apprehensions about it and going like, man, what if it's what if it doesn't, what if it, it's a big fail and we don't raise any money and what if nobody comes and, you know, all, all of the what ifs, you know, and so just having some great people around me walking forward in, in, in faith and have, have a bunch of people show up, the big people, like Doug Gilmore came one year. Yeah, like, how cool is that? Got to meet Doug Gilmore and hang out and he, got, and he came to Pembroke and it was just the coolest. Dougie, did he have his teeth in or teeth out? didn't even notice that but uh but what was really cool like just the artists that also the artists that have come to pembroke to to support you know dallas smith you know um like i mentioned jason mccoy and what a full circle thing you know that i opened for them and then years and years ago one of my first shows ever then they came jason came to pembroke and 
helped us raise money the same year Dallas Smith came. Tim Hicks, Chad Brownlee, Gord Bamford, Kira Isabella, Jojo Mason, Tebe, Patrick, Dan Davidson, uh, Aaron Pachette a, a number yeah. of times. Um, you know, just really, really cool, man, that uh, all these people would fly across the country from wherever they're at, come to our hometown on the beautiful Ottawa River, play some music, swing some golf clubs, drink some Canadian pops, and uh, – that's an awesome you know, promo for the Valley right there. Yeah. <laughs> City of Pembroke's going to come calling. They're going to want this clip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, you've given me plenty of your time thus far. I'll, I'll wrap it up in just a little bit. Just a random question. What's your favorite food and why? <laughs> just crazy. Oh, man. Gosh. Like, or is there a big difference in between, you know, the cuisine that maybe you enjoyed when you were in the Valley opposed to the cuisine that you're eating now? Is there something that you'd recently been introduced to over the past five, 10 years that just blew your mind? What is yeah, it that you well, have to have? Well, honestly, living, living down here in the South, you've got, you've got so many great food options. Like I just like food. I'm just a guy that loves right. food. Like they, living down here, you got great barbecue, like Southern barbecue stuff. You got great Mexican, like really great Mexican. There's some good Italian stuff. There's, I, I, I don't do steak a lot because I make the best steak right here okay. on my grill. Okay. But, but one thing that they don't have down here is poutine. I knew that was coming. I don't know how, but I knew it. Yeah, and, and so when I, when everybody knows that like I'm the guy that's known to like, you know, go to the, the big stop and get a large poutine and then get a small poutine for dessert. So <laughs> I love that. I love that Canadian slop. It's just good. Right. I thought it was the most disgusting thing ever. And I slowly got introduced to poutine. Have you ever been to a place called Mellows in Ottawa? You probably never have because nobody would want to go there. It was a dive of a restaurant. <laughs> it's now closed. And there would be people after the bar that would go there for the poutine. And there was also a lot of prostitutes that just happened to go there as well. That's where they got their coffee in between Johns. Just go with me here. I promise it's not going to be anywhere dirty. Nothing like that. And I started by just having my French fries. And then eventually, I think someone brought something to the table that I didn't want. Like there was gravy. So I would, you know, I'm drunk and I'm starting to dip my fries in the gravy. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm so close to a poutine right now. I might as well just go for it. And this is yeah. something that my whole life I, I just thought looked gross. And they gave me a poutine and my life forever changed. <laughs> I will never go back to being the same. So I am also uh, a poutine lover. We'll have to get together sometime soon. When you're back in, in Canada or hopefully around the Ottawa Valley area, and, and we will yeah. partake in poutine. Sure, sure. It's I was doing a show with the guys from Rascal Flats in Halifax back in like 2016, and we went out to a pub after, and I was telling them, well, you guys have to try the poutine. And it's funny, you said the thing earlier, because they were like, what? Man, what did you just say? Poutine sounds dirty. <laughs> Where we're from, you say I'm going out to get me some poutine, it's like something else. <laughs> that's right, actually, that does take the flavor out of it just a little bit. Oh, man, that's funny. So, Jason, what's going on lately? Obviously, everyone's world has changed with COVID-19, yeah. et cetera. I mean, obviously, you do some songwriting, uh, the, the yeah. performing, obviously taking a little bit of a backseat. What should people know about Jason Blaine 2020? Sure. Um, 
I'm about to release some new music. I have been re releasing uh, some like songs one at a time. We had set for this EP to come out uh, back in, honestly, the spring or early summer. Uh, and then all of this hit. So we delayed that. We've just been doing single tracks at a time. Uh, so check, check out my stuff on, on Spotify uh, or, or Apple Music or wherever you stream your music. Follow along on Instagram. I'm at Jason Blaine Official with the blue check mark. I'm always getting hit with a with those imposters. Can't keep up with them. It's like it's like that old game whack a mole. Like you just you block <laughs> them, you report them, they pop back up, and you're smacking them down like constantly. It's uh, frustrating. But uh, and and it's just like hey, if you're gonna like impersonate somebody, like pick somebody actually super famous. Like go after Taylor Swift or you know Kanye or something. Like right. really, like me, like really, like leave JB alone. Yeah, so uh, so I'm doing that. I'm also uh, I'm recording. I'm in the midst of, of recording kind of a bit of a, a passion project. I've been calling it kind of a roots record, um, just from to satisfy my own heart. It's during this whole COVID thing because as a songwriter, I write like a lot of different stuff. I you know, and and when you're sort of in that commercial frame of mind, you're writing for that commercial radio thing. But that's not like the only thing that I that I love. I love like this sort of rootsier, older sounding thing. And I don't exactly know what the record's gonna totally look or sound like yet. But I've got these songs that I've been collecting over the years that I don't know what to do with because they just they don't really belong beside something super contemporary or something like that. But but now I've sort of amassed this little pocket of them. Uh, that uh, that'll probably be on some sort of uh, side project roots record here uh, this this year. Yeah, rustic roots. Ooh, I like that. That sounds yeah. cool. You can use it, brother. <laughs> we'll collaborate. Don't worry. Uh, well, Jason, thank you so much for your time. I, I really do appreciate it. I am so glad that you've seen the success that you've had, and I wish you continued success because you're definitely one of those guys uh, that deserve it. Thank you so much, pal. Uh, definitely, we'll take you up on uh, on a poutine and a Canadian pop. On that poutine and pop. All right. <laughs> and I also just want to give a big shout out to my sponsor, Glant Media, right in Pembroke in the Valley. Uh, he does graphic design, web design, merch, Jason. <coughs> Anyways, cool. from A to Z, uh, glantmedia.ca for all your business development needs. Jason, you take care. Be well. Love simply because you can, buddy. Okay. Thank you, bud. All right. That was wonderful. Great, man. That was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I, I really, enjoyed really it. It felt real natural and, and easy. He still combs his hair like Elvis. He's cash for everything. He'll only drive a Chevy He thinks Alan Jackson's king He knows everyone by name At the local hardware store They don't make them like that anymore Up with the sun each morning Hardly missed a day of work Summer 1957, he 